This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Hey, and welcome into... Mackie and Judd, where I've got sports flowing through my veins and also some drugs, although all legal, nothing too strong. Zolgad, uh, back from emergency appendectomy surgery. Mackie, you don't see on the screen because he has COVID. We are officially a mess. Um, executive producer Declan Goff, who's being harassed by the people in his apartment building because they're upset his dog is barking too much. And the only sane one of the group, shockingly enough, as far as I know, he's not sick, thank God. Everything's fine. His family's great. That's great, too. Darren Doogie Wilson, who's uh, kind enough to join us with some Tuesday scoops. What's up, sir? But maybe some computers. What's up, Judd? This is your Michael Jordan 1998 finals game. This is your Ronnie Lott, the former 49ers safety, the Hall of Famer, once cut the top of his finger off to continue playing in a game. Like, this is comparable, right? Days ago, like literally, what, 72 hours ago, you undergo emergency appendectomy surgery, and here you are. So, Judd, it's fantastic to see you. I'm glad you're okay. Declan, your neighbor is a bleep hole. I feel for you. I apologize for having to deal with such BS. Buy a house when you can. You and your significant (laughs) other, whenever you can, even though it's not a great market to be buying, buy a house. Working on it. Let's get out of that apartment. Yeah, I know you are. So continue to work on it. Judd, you're being awfully presumptuous. Trust me. <laughs> Life is very, like, it's not a real tough day. I'm taking the boys over to your neighborhood pool. Nice. In a couple minutes. And it's, it's the last day for the St. Louis Park pool today. So I'm going to mm. go hang at the pool with the with the boys. And outside of that, you know, we hung at the Twins game last night. But, like, the wifey's very mad at me. Right? You just, nothing is ever enough. Right? Mow the lawn, but you got to do this, that. Everything else. So I would say things are okay. Like, yeah, my health, I'm fine. Uh, the kids go, go back to school on Monday, but I'm telling you, Judd, like to suggest right. things are, quote, great, yeah. that's an overstatement. Well, y- y- they're as good as possibly can be probably for you compared to us. So anyway. Sure. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's get right to, to the scoops. I was in a hospital bed on Monday, but as I was, I did get some good news, and that's uh, sanity prevailed at the TCO Performance Center where the Vikings traded for Nick Mullins, who, look, I mean, nobody's saying that this is the greatest trade of, of all time, and it's a quarterback depth move, but I think after what we saw, uh, especially probably Saturday, the preseason game, sounds like it scared him because Mannion really can't play, and Mond is just so raw. Your thoughts, and what can you tell us about a decision that uh, will definitely impact the Vikings if Kirk Cousins has to miss even a game? Yeah, I mean, even though Cousins, I think we take his durability for granted at times, although it's possible, right? He's already gotten COVID twice. What if he Mm -hmm. gets it a third time, like last year, has to miss one game to the two names you just threw out? Like, the Vikings aren't willing to say, Judd, that Nick Mullins is the number two, but trust me, they don't 
make this move for Nick Mullins to then not make the team or be the number three. Like I get the conditions of the 2024 seventh round pick. He has to make the team or be active for a game here in 2022 for the pick to convey. The pick is going to convey. The Vikings are giving the Raiders a 2024 seventh round pick because Nick Mullins is now this team's number two quarterback. A necessary move. My understanding is it wasn't just Mullins or Bust. They made some other calls, not ready to quite say some names. It doesn't really matter at this point. They weren't really willing to do much beyond a seventh-round pick. But this trade makes sense. The Raiders have two quarterbacks in front of Mullins. Mullins has a starting history. He can operate this offense. He has a history with Kwesi and Jofo Mensa. Like, this move, when, when it broke on Monday, I was like, yeah, okay. That makes complete sense. I was on TV on Sunday night. I didn't necessarily know the name. But it's what we've talked about. You know, I, I spewed it out on TV on Sunday night. I said, the number two quarterback is not on this roster. Then lo and behold, you know, 12 hours later, the news breaks of, of Nick Mullins now being, being a Viking. But, like, make no mistake. I know the Vikings didn't want to volunteer the information on Monday, Judd, but he is their number two quarterback. He is going to make the 53-man roster. The question is, do they let go Sean Mannion today with multiple more roster moves needed? By what, 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock yep. Eastern? Or do they wait a little bit on Mannion? But, like, I just I don't foresee Sean Mannion being a part of the 53-man roster. Now, with the new practice squad rules, would there be some value in having him as some sort of de facto quarterbacks coach? He's really close with, with Kirk Cousins. In fact, when I was at that practice on Thursday, the joint practice with the 49ers, I was standing next to Mrs. Cousins for a bit, Don Cousins, Kirk's dad. They were talking about Sean. And rooting on Sean, I could just, I get the feels. I mean, it's something I'd heard already, but just experiencing being next to the family, them cheering on Sean, it seems like Kirk and Sean have a really good relationship. So with these new practice squad rules, would the Vikings consider, you know, adding Mannion to the practice squad? It's not like anybody else is picking him up. And if he's on the practice squad, he's just, he's a de facto coach. That's something I'll be, I'll be looking at, but like Sean Mannion is not making the 53 man roster that we know. Dukes, uh, what other quarterbacks were they potentially in on? You know, obviously they, they, they saw Mullins in the first preseason game. Um, do, do you know any insight or anyone they were maybe checking in on or kicking tires on uh, to look for if, if before they landed Nick Mullins from the Raiders? I'm sure Declan, but if we want, want to make this a rec- reckless speculation Tuesday on a Thursday or Thursday on a Tuesday, I mean, you know, Mason Rudolph of Pittsburgh is is seemingly out there. You know, there's some other guys as well. But, like, my understanding it was, it wasn't just, hey, let's call the Raiders. Let's see if we can get Mullins. If it's not Mullins, we'll stick with what we have. You know, I don't want to suggest that they cast it like this incredibly wide net, but they certainly reached out to more than the Raiders. Hopefully I'll have an update for you on that on, on Thursday morning. Dukes, what do we think this means to Mond as well? Because I think... I changed my stance after he uh, had a decent game against, and it was not great, but it was it was certainly, I think, an improvement on what he's trying to practice uh, in the first preseason game. And then he comes back in the second one and is awful. Uh, I had changed my stance before that to, I think he's a practice squad guy, to I think he might be the third guy. And now I'm not sure. So if, from the folks that you've talked to, do you get the sense that they w- would like to keep him on the 53 as the third guy or that they think that there is um, a viable chance that if they do 
waive him, that he would clear that process and then could just be signed back to the practice squad? Well, I do think this preseason game, this third game, this Denver game, will certainly have a say in that. Now, I will tell you, the Mond camp doesn't foresee him being let go. Like, they don't think he's hitting the waiver wire. I get it. Like, would he for sure get claimed? I think he would. But I'm not, like, 100% convinced of that. I think he would. Like, I'm certainly more on the side of over 51% chance likelihood that he would get claimed. But I'm not at 100%. But I'm not quite sure the Vikings are ready to roll those dice. Because in an ideal world, sure, he clears waivers. You re-sign him to the practice squad if that's something that he would choose, by the way. I'm not even quite sure in an instance like that that he would say, okay, yeah, I'll go back to Minnesota. I think right now, Judd, you know, barring some sort of catastrophic performance in Denver, I think he does make the 53. Like, I just don't think they're ready to cut the cord. But I'm telling you, let's see how he does next weekend in Denver. Dukes, I, I was I was looking too at at their their tight end depth after watching Zach Davidson drop passes, and I know Johnny Munn I believe was inactive for the second game, and looks like Irv Smith um, is tracking. He was a limited participant in practice on Monday at least, so he, he's getting healthy. He looks like he's in great shape. But when they get down to the fifty three here, and other teams cut tight ends, what's the possibility that the Vikings could potentially even add maybe another depth tight end behind Irv Smith Jr. Well, it's a good inquiry, Declan, because Kendall Blanton, who started the for the Rams was just waived the other day. So without his, you know, service time being, you know, what, five years or more, he had to hit the waiver wire. It's the waiver wire. It turns out the Vikings didn't put in a claim. Now, Washington did. He's going to Washington. The word is Kansas City did. But Washington ahead of Kansas City pecking order-wise. So he is now a commander. But I thought, okay, Kevin O'Connell history with this tight end. Like he took over when Higby went down for L.A. I'm thinking, like, if you want a depth tight end, Kendall Blanton would have made all sorts of sense. The Blanton camp looked at the Vikings and said, you know what? That's a really good situation. We'd love for Kendall to end up there. But it didn't happen. And so that makes me wonder, Declan, now might depend on who specifically it's the wire. Like, I'm not dismissing the idea, but I just thought Blanton made all sorts of sense, and the Vikings were not in whatsoever on him. But it is something I'm keeping an eye on. There's no doubt about that, especially after Davidson's performance in that last game. Like, he did have a good first couple weeks of camp. I was with him at a workout in Woodbury in mid-July. I told you guys I thought he looked really good. But he has yep. taken a noticeable step backwards the last week or so, not just in the game Saturday, but also in those joint practices. Yeah, I think the, the one thing about that spot where we have to change our th- thinking a bit too, though, is is this. Um, I think they're counting on Irv Smith to come back, possibly for the first game against the Packers. Uh, but the reality is this. Outside of Irv Smith, I don't know how much they're going to rely on their tight ends to catch passes. And I think they're going to rely on, on them when they're in there to block. And so I I think from really the second tight end on down, whoever makes it, the priority is going to be as a blocker. And that's not a bad thing because we're also going to see more use of three receiver sets that are going to take advantage of the third guy. So, like, I do think we're we're from the school of, well, the tight end has to catch. Well, yeah, that's great, but 
it can be a bonus too. The most important thing is, can you block? I think that's where things are going to change. So we actually might be putting more of a priority on catching the ball for a backup tight end than the coaching staff will if they feel that the player can contribute as a blocker when he's actually used. I agree, which means Ben Ellefson has a pretty good chance to make the 53, man. He's a better blocker than Davidson. Johnny Munt is going to make the 53, man. Irv Smith Jr., who's not a good blocker, by the way. Right. But maybe he's improved ever so slightly the last time we saw him on the field compared to, let's say, his rookie year or his time at Alabama. But Irv Smith Jr. is going to make the 53, man. So right now, it looks like those three tight ends make the 53, man. And the Vikings don't keep a fourth tight end. Let's go to the Twins. Uh, Dex, can, can you play the clip? So the, the Twins lost, what, three or four to Texas. It was a complete cluster bleep. Uh, they, they now face the the Astros and um, a pitching gauntlet. Absolutely. But can you play the clip last night from Byron Buxton taken out of the game with what was um, called a hip issue? What Rocco Baldelli is about to say really, really peels back the curtain even more on the season-long and career-long problems of Byron Buxton. Has he had any hip problem before today? Yeah. Yeah. For a while, for most of the season, I would say. Uh, or a good, I don't know if most, but for a good part of the season. Um, so it was already bothering him before he went out today. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is stuff he deals with all the time. Okay. The guy is a warrior. The guy goes out there and uh, plays through things that are not imaginable uh, for for many, um, both other players and people watching and, you know, Byron Buxton fans. Uh, what he's done to this point in the year has been pretty amazing uh, with the physical difficulties that he's had. But um, right now I, I don't uh, most likely see him, you know, playing tomorrow or anything like that. Uh, and Doogie, uh, he, he went on to say, Basically, there are a myriad of things we have never talked about publicly that Buxton is dealing with and deals with on a daily basis. Um, We knew that the knee is chronic, but just give me your thoughts, because to me, that was a very cryptic. You you guys don't know what this guy is going through. And it continues to make me very concerned, not just for 2022, but his career as well, because this this sounds like chronic stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, he's going to, in all likelihood, need at least one surgical procedure come this offseason. Now we wonder if he'll need even more than that. He has a history of breaking down. It's so unfortunate because I've told you guys for a while, there's not a tougher player pick many other players. If they were dealing with what he's dealt with with the knee, they, they would have shut themselves down a while ago. I'll fully admit until I believe that was Pat Borzi who who you know yep. threw out the inquiry to Rocco. Rocco ran with it. I was not aware of of Byron's hip being a thing. Now he's undergoing an MRI on the hip. Now I wonder would it make sense to shut him down for multiple days? Do you make an IL move now with the hip? you know, rearing its ugly head, apparently now for, who knows, at least the second time, if not more than that, this year. We know about the knee with the PRP injection, with the knee being drained, 
I mean, there's a plan to still have the knee drained at least one more time before the regular season is over. He's constantly getting Man, I remember one time in the clubhouse a couple weeks ago, I was trying to make my way over to Byron's Corner Locker, and mm-hmm. Dustin Morse of the Twins Media Relations Department, you know, yelled out, hey, Byron is unavailable. And I believe he was available because he was going to get checked out, right, and go get some clubhouse. I'm awaiting to, to one of the team leaders. You know, if you want to debate, it's Carlos Correa, but this really is Byron Buxton's team. So just want to take his temperature on some things. I was told he was off limits. And so that just tells you, and it's not like Byron wanted to be off limits, but, you know, he just, he has to do so much between the hours of like two and five thirty, six o'clock for a seven o'clock game, just to get in a position to get out there and right. do something. So yes, should there be concern, you know, not only for the rest of this year, as the division is still sitting there for the taking as bad as the twins have been. 35 and 42 in their last 77 games. We talked mm-hmm. about this 20 game stretch in August, 20 home games. Take advantage of all these home games. So far, eight and six. You go back the last 10 games, this was not a hard stretch of 10 games, a 500 record, right? I mean, there's a lot to look at and say, why would you talk about the playoffs? Because this division is not only the worst in baseball, but one of the worst in recent memory. So it's still sitting there for the taking, but it is amazing how much he's had to do just to get on the field. But now you wonder, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard, you know, uh, presumably uh, he's undergoing that MRI today. So, you know, hopefully we get some word later today, but I don't have news as we sit here at 1020 on Tuesday right. morning of, of what the MRI will, will tell us. But like Justin Verlander tonight, we know Bucks is not going to be in the lineup tonight. We don't know when he'll be in the lineup. Again, you know, you look at this stretch now, Astros into Giants, into Red Sox, some games coming up against the White Sox. Now, I get it. Red Sox, White Sox, Giants, not great teams, but we're not talking the Nationals, Royals, Tigers, A's, right? I mean, you know, those teams at least have some capable guys, right? So when thinking about finding a pathway to being that three seed, to winning the division, to making the playoffs, to hopefully ending the 18-game playoff losing streak, you need Buck on on the field. But, you know, he's a giant question mark at this point. I was surprised that he went back out. So I was at the game last night, Judd, and it seemed he aggravated something. I thought initially it was the knee. You know, that's just where my, you know, brain went. I thought it was the knee in that, you know, middle of the game at bat. He took a swing and then he walked out of the batter's box, circled around. That was the at bat that he got rung up on. And that mm-hmm. called third strike, that wasn't even close. That was an embarrassment. I forget who the home plate umpire was, but ridiculous to call that pitch a strike. It should have been ball four. But nonetheless, I was surprised that Buck then went out into the field after that. Then he dove for that ball, you know, doesn't make that catch. Who knows if that spurred something. But I was just – I was surprised that he went back out into the field because it seemed like when he was circling around – you know, walking out of the batter's box, that, that something was was definitely up. But I'll be continuing to track that situation, Judd. But, yes, if you're a Twins fan, like I'm not one to always push the panic button, but there's reason. There's multiple reasons, right? But but certainly with, with Buck's situation now with the hip, you know, certainly a reason if you want to to go ahead and push the panic button. Dukes, uh, uh, final scoops on the Twins. Anything else in the notebook here before we wrap up? Well, 
You got Randy Dobnek starting, or he'll be in today for for low A Fort Myers. If all goes well, the plan is for him to be in St. Paul here pretty quick, or maybe he joins the Saints in Des Moines. Kyle Garlick is heading to Des Moines today, should be in the Saints lineup tomorrow. We will see some roster moves coming up. Like I know a lot of people are upset that Emilio Pagan is still on the 26-man roster. Well, you've got a combination of Bailey Ober, Josh Winder, Kenta Maeda. I had a long conversation with Derek Falvey late last week. I posted a new scoop podcast on Monday. That conversation is available there on mic, a little bit off mic. You know, they're going to get some reinforcements back. Ryan Jeffers, Trevor Larnick. So roster moves are coming. They can go from 26 to 28 starting September 1st, but you don't have room for all these guys. So, you know, you think about a Tim Beckham and Emilio Pagan. I mean, there's a bunch of moves the Twins can make with their current 26-man roster. But, you know, just give it give it a little bit of time. Some of these guys, maybe not all, but they do foresee most of those guys I just named coming back in the next few weeks. So expect those guys to, to be back. Thanks, Dukes. Appreciate it. All right, boys. Judd, I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. Thoughts, prayers, all that good stuff. Let me know if you and Don need anything, okay? Appreciate it. Thanks, Doogie. Have fun at the, at my SLP pool. All right, some good stuff there. Um, I, I want to talk about Buxton, but first I want to talk about Declan Goff, my friends, at Livia Weight Control Centers, who, of course, before I was hit with appendicitis, helped me lose weight a much more, a much more natural, fun way. And that is through the art of weight control. So again, they're not a diet place. They they are a, they are a center that can help you drop weight, keep that weight off, which is great. And you know what? It's as easy as I have ever dropped weight. Uh, Don joined me on the program about a month a month and a half back or so, and she is down sixteen pounds. So together, the Zolgad household down more than fifty pounds. And you can join the program right now for fifty percent off. It is their anniversary sale. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A or go to L-I-V-E-A-Livia.com. If you're in town here, you can certainly go and see their dietitians personally. If you're not, if you are a fan of the show and you are in, I don't know, Colorado, guess what? You, you can virtually have a visit every week, and it's that simple, Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com. Uh, so, Declan, quickly on Buxton, what yeah. Baldelli said last night, I thought... And this is where I think there's push and pull between the front office and Rocco. I think Rocco often wants to say more to make clear what's going on because in Rocco's mind, and he's right about this, it sort of defends him. So, because I mean, I think people are, you see the constant attacks, you know, Rocco's pitching decisions stink. Rocco took Buxton out. Rocco did this. Rocco did that. And I've always said, it's not all him. He's being told what to do. Uh, But he went down a path last night that is really it's really sad and I don't think it's short term and that is the fact that Byron Buxton uh if we're now dealing with a chronic hip problem a chronic knee problem um as far as I can tell unless it can all be surgically repaired and I doubt that because those are usually long-term things we are talking about a race against this contract to see how how long of the seven years you could actually get because uh, there is just no way on God's green earth um, if he's breaking down like this and with what his skill set is, which is speed, great athlete, that, you know, in five years, it's going to be fine. So, like, this is 
that to me was pulling the fire alarm on the career of Byron Buxton. Yeah, I mean, and look, I think Rocco is about as fed up with the team performance, with the constant questions. I get it. You know, it's, it's that's frustrating as all hell. Um, but with Buck, you know, they, they can't. I mean, I I try to defend the guy left and right. He takes a lot of heat from fans for his lack of availability and, and durability. And I, I get that. I get that you want to see your star players in the field. Um, when he is on the field, he's a difference maker. Um, he made his first all-star game this year. We know how good his defense is. He has great pop. He's actually starting to draw a little bit more walks this year than previously. At least it's some type of step in the right direction. Um, but it, it's, it's not a good idea when, um, when, when Rocco Ball, not a good idea. Excuse me. I shouldn't say that. It's not a good sign when Rocco Baldelli basically admits like, Oh, he's been dealing with this all year. Oh, he's been dealing with this all year. It's like, right. When does it end? You know, when does it end if, if you're a twins fan? Cause you don't know if Carlos Correa is going to be coming back. If you're only guaranteed 110 games with Byron Buxton, which I think when we signed the contract, we all thought, okay, I guess that's probably worth zero games of Byron Buxton in a Twins uniform. But at the end of the day, um, paying a guy up what he's being paid to only being out there for, for 110, 120 games a year is not ideal either. No, and he cannot – his style of play is his style of play too. So – I've always gone back to, yes, he can crash into the fence less often. Like, there are things he can be smarter about. But if you now say, well, he really can't dive. Okay, that's a huge part of his game. He's got a chronic hip problem. And hip problems are not, like, you you don't just resolve those. Hip problems are, think Bo Jackson. His career ended. Um, we're now talking about being in the territory of what brings your career to an end. And when you're an athlete like Buxton, this is this, when Baldelli said as much as he he said, and he very clearly said, um, that, that he's not sure if they can reveal more, which means he wants to like, like he put that out there on purpose. He basically said, there's way more here than what we've talked about publicly and he said, I don't know, something along the lines of, I don't know if this is the time to talk about it or or if I can. Uh, but we are now on very murky ground of exactly how long and how effective this guy can be. And my fear is this, if it's truly chronic and you shut him down. So if you come back today and say, you know what, it's just, it's done again. He's done for 2022. Don't think he comes back fully healthy in 23. Like, that's not how this works. Not when you're dealing with hip problems. Not when you're dealing with chronic problems across the board. Um, so if you go up and clean, if, if you go in and clean up that knee and get that fixed, okay. But if it's a hip, you don't just get that fixed. That's a management problem for a long time. So I just, I found those comments to be intriguing. The last, the last point off the twins, and I pointed this out on Twitter last night after uh, consuming just another, just an off uh, offensive, the bats are just a dud, just a complete dud. The pitchers actually doing their job now, and the and the bats are just terrible. You know what this has become, and I I made this very clear. I think from day one of this season, which by the way, a lot of it's been spent in first place. I said this to you guys uh, probably two months ago, which is from day one of this season, it has occurred to me that the management of this team from Falvey, Levine to Rocco is hard to embrace. And I said, I like the players, but I don't think the fans like the people that run this team. And I feel like 
in some ways, the players are now being swallowed up by the feeling that the fan base had towards Rocco, Falvey, Levine. Yeah. Um, this seems like, and it's the word I used on Twitter, a joyless exercise. Like for a team that's in, it really reminds me, Dex, of the wild teams that we grew to absolutely despise, despite the fact they might make the playoffs. This just seems so damn joyless that it is incredible that a team can contend and you still really deep down just don't like them that much. So I'll, I'll push back on you a little bit. I, I don't I don't see the same thing um, with those wild teams. Um, it, it, and I know you preface it that it's not the players on this Twins team that you didn't like. So those wild, I'm sorry, those wild teams, players-wise, that was a hard group to like. As much as people liked the Coil and the Ninos and the Grandlands and Zookers, Parise and Suter set a tone that was kind of blah. Miko, you know, was an up and down captain, however you want to view it. Sure. But the but the management of that team, I don't think fans had much of a problem with Boudreaux, and they probably had more of a bone to pick with Fletcher. I, I could hear that argument. But yeah. the management of the team wasn't the issue. It was the core of that group that you just knew, like, this is sour grapes. It's not going to work. It's contagiously bad now. It's trickling down. I don't I don't sense that the twin this Twins team is unlikable from a player's side, and I know that's not the point you're making. I do agree to to a little bit that their management from Rocco and Falvey is unlikable. Um, it's it's become to a point where sabermetrics has has ruined everything for them. I mean the the the, the entire idea of we have things set an example um, before or we have things things set in stone before the game begins by two three o'clock for a seven o'clock game is asinine to me. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and I I think I have more of a bone to pick sometimes with. Um, the diehards uh, and sometimes even people that cover the team that act like we are watching one of the greatest baseball teams. That's my issue is that this team deserves to be ripped. I mean, they've, they've been an under 500 team now for 77 games. They went five and five in their last 10, I believe eight and six over this media, over this homestand against very mediocre. And that's putting it uh, pretty generously teams. Uh, That's my bone to pick the entire aura around the coverage and just some of the diehards. I think that's my issue. And by the way, I'm a diehard fan myself. I I love the Twins. I have season tickets. I I want to see this team be successful. I don't think it's as unlikable as how those wild teams got towards the end of the Parise Suter and All those right. kids era. Yeah. But I I do believe that there is something about the coverage and just the way it, it's presented to us sometimes with fans and everyone else that it just seems like hey like why don't you just enjoy it? It's like no, I don't want to enjoy it. I want to see this team be successful. Yeah, and, and I think the problem is this: if you ever get, if you ever start to go down a path where it, where a supposedly competitive team is a joyless exercise, it gets swallowed up. So, like in the Wilds' case, it was the players, but then you eventually turned a little bit more on the coach because it was clear the players were telling the coach exactly what they were going to do, um, and so it got worse for the coach. Uh, prime example: Mike Yo. Like right. with Mike Yo, it got to be so. It always it always engulfs things. Yeah, so yeah. it engulfs things. So where I don't think the people have been on board, and they might be right in this town with Falvey and Rocco from day one of this season. Okay, so and I said two months back, I think the players. I still like the players, but now I feel like it's just all becoming one. It's just all becoming one because here's part of the problem with joyless teams. They are truly in inside joyless, and I think that's the problem. I think when the pitchers know that they're going to be given no chance to compete, Sonny Gray knows now what is going on. Okay, so when Sonny Gray goes out there and he knows 
I can throw one of the best damn games, like craftiest games of my life, right? Like I might not have my best stuff. I'm I'm going to give up hits. I might give up a few runs, but I'm going to be done after 80 pitches. You know, take your pick of pitches. Um, he becomes joyless because he's not having fun. You know, there is a reason why Joe Joe Schmidt asked Gray what was considered an innocuous question, and Gray basically spilled his guts. And that's because he's not happy. And when players aren't happy, and when both sides, I mean, Rocco, now, not happy. Don't blame him, but he's not. But that's where this has become, like, this should have been fun. This was a last place team, and they rebounded, and they've, you know, they're in a bad division, but they've been competitive. And it's been, to me, no fun, and it's getting to be less fun. And I think the one of the reasons why this team, like, the Texas series, to me, was just from the three games I saw, it was it was just guys going out there and trying to grind through it. It wasn't. There was no, you know, on, on Bally's last night, they're like, well, maybe they can go down to Houston and get a kick down. Well, yeah, they're going to get their ass kicked, or they should. Um, you know, there's not – the intensity is gone because I, I think that the passion to play a game in which, to your point, it's being run by decisions that are probably often not common sense. So – I just think it's very interesting to see. I think the way I would put this is this season is just sort of crumbling and it's ugly to watch and it's too bad because it didn't need to be like this. But unfortunately, when you have a faction of your team that's, you know, hard to embrace or understand, it eventually breaks down. The Wild had the same thing. The Twins do do now. The Vikings have had this exact thing before, too. You know, I mean, some of those Kirk teams should have made the playoffs, but they were joyless exercises. Um, speaking of the Vikings, you've got a, you've got, because it's Tuesday, pecking order Tuesday. Declan Goff is going to bring us one. But before he does, it's brought to you by my friends at Spiral Light Candles. Spiral Light Candles. You know what? This Viking season hopefully won't be joyless, but you know what it will be? It will be stressful because football Sundays are always stressful. And that's where uh, Spiral Light Candles comes in now first of all they're a great gift they're a great gift for your for your mom grandma wife girlfriend or yourself they smell fantastic the scent is great but when it comes to the vikings what i have here is i have holding in front of me judd's purple positivity candle which you can order right now now i'm gonna uh, show you this thing it burns from here down so spiral light you get it huh and then it's got a wick down here that burns long lasting so as you are watching the vikings game and maybe drinking a few surleys and using a few curse words you know what's going to calm you down right nearby that is your judd's purple positivity spiral light candle how do you get it spiral light spirallightcandles.com spirallightcandles.com and they'll be at the state fair as well so check them out there all right what's your that's what i thought i was trying oh oh, no problem at all no problem at all go ahead so this is my pecking order i don't know if uh you were aware of this because i I, this is what i was going to do with phil and uh with with us just literally doing a six-man tornado tag team of coverage over these next uh, few days I present you a pecking order of the top five Viking seasons I was most excited for. Okay, cool. So you're going to see a theme in this list. And spoiler alert, four of these five seasons, the Vikings failed to make the playoffs. Oh, sure. I think you'll be maybe potentially surprised at number one. And uh, this is just more of when this is a timeline of the last 12 years. So, I mean, I became a Vikings fan in 2001, but I was eight. 
Okay, I was eight years sure. old. And even, you know, I remember when Childress was hired. I remember most consciously, I remember Viking seasons from 2002 on. But I'm also not going to pretend like I was 11, 12 years old and I knew what I was getting myself into. Uh, I, so I basically took from the time I was 17, 16, you know, when I was an actual high school kid, went a little bit more conscious, not a lot, but a little bit more consciousness of what was going on and coverage of the team. So that's where the basis of this comes from. So these are my five Viking seasons that I was most excited to watch uh, going in as a football fan. Nice. I will start with number five and then work my way to the top. Sure. Number five, Judd, uh, is one of the most recent ones on this list. It is 2018. I had the 2018 Vikings as my num- as my, the fifth one on my list. And now I have only as fifth because I, and I believe this is right around the time I actually came back to score north, and this is right after, obviously, Kirk Cousins has signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings are going to be year one with Kirk. They're coming off a 13-3 and season. Even I knew when you go 13-3 and in the NFL, regression is going to come. And let's be honest, 2017 Vikings were the biggest overachievers in the world when it came to just at least regular season success. For God's sakes, they won 13 games with a backup quarterback. So even with Kirk coming in and the defense still being good, even I knew, hey, 10-6 and and 11-5 is still good enough to be in the playoffs and probably win the North, but that's a regression, right? That's still a step down, quote-unquote, from 13-3. and Um, I was excited for that. Uh, We were all excited for Kirk to get here. The defense was still very damn good. Uh, And I was excited to see what Kirk Cousins could do, but the 2018 Vikings end up falling on their face, losing one of the most embarrassing games I've ever witnessed in the world when they lost the Bears uh, to close that season. But the 2018 Vikings are number five on my list, Judd. Yes. In fact, I I think that's fair because of what you said about the uh, 13-3 and campaign in 17. But, yeah, there's no question. I mean, we all thought that the Vikings had found their their QB. And look, you know, I will never, the thing about signing Kirk was I don't criticize it because one, I did, I had no expectation that case was going to come back and play well. That was not to me. That was a one year thing. And two, you know, Kirk appeared to be the long-term guy. And so, yes, I think it's very fair to have 18 as at least a part of that list because that was coming back still a damn good team. I mean, Mm -hmm. Regression was going to come, but you know what? You could have made a playoff run. Yeah. Like you were you probably weren't going to win 13 games again, but I could have seen 11 wins and a playoff run for sure. Exactly. So yes. I'm with uh, you. So my next two on this list are actually back-to-back seasons that happened. Um and you actually might be kind of surprised about number 4 on this list, but I will explain why. All right. Number 4 on my list was the 2011 Vikings. So if you remember, obviously the 2010 team was coming off the Brett Favre hangover. But young, impressional Declan was very excited that even though they reached for a first-round quarterback, hey, what's Christian Ponder going to do? Also, young Declan was very excited that at the last second they traded or acquired, excuse me, Donovan McNabb, one of his favorite quarterbacks from his youth. And then I was just sipping some Kool-Aid, some last-minute Kool-Aid. And remember, that was the lockout year, so um, there there was an abbreviated training camp. So yep. that McNabb excitement kind of sent a little jolt into me, even though he was coming off this weird year with Washington after a successful tenure with Philadelphia for such a long time. I was about to start college, and I was convinced that, hey, because they got McNabb, this team actually is going to pop right back up. Even after going 3-13, and they're going to be just fine with the veteran quarterback, and they have a rookie sitting behind them. This is an ideal situation for the Vikings. And boy, oh boy, was I dead wrong. They won three GD games that season. 
Yeah, I think you should have paid far far more attention to the Star Tribune coverage of that <laughs> team. That team had no chance. Like, I didn't think the Ponder pick was terrible. I was obviously wrong. But, you know, I said, because there were a lot of people like Dilfer who bashed it, and I said, let's wait and see on Ponder. But it was interesting because I, I remember being at the owners' meetings in New Orleans that March, and it was very clear in talking to Les that there was a fracture, and that's a year that they actually went 50-50. Les and Spielman, because that was the year before Rick became GM, and so both of them had a 50% say in roster, which is not a good idea. And Les wanted a veteran QB, and Rick wanted to draft one. Well, guess what? Both were wrong. Why I knew McNabb was going to be a train wreck was we had seen him, if you recall, in 2010, the Vikings actually won a game with Frazier having replaced Chile in Washington. And McNabb was awful. He was out of shape. He was throwing short. He was terrible. And so, yes, if if a young Declan had read Judd Zolgad's (laughs) coverage in the Star Tribune, you would not have been. your, Your 2018 assumption, I love. Your 2011 assumption, you should have checked with uh, with an adult before you got excited because that team was not worth coming off also. 2010, I mean, that thing fell apart. Uh, yeah, 2011 was a was going to be a non-starter. So that's funny because uh, the number three on the number uh, third uh, on this list for the pecking order was going into the 2010 Viking season. Because you're coming off 2009 oh, yeah. with Brett Favre, that makes sense. and you're running it back. Yeah. And even though Favre, uh, you know, kind of dink and ducked his chances of a, of coming back, that again, core of the roster, coming back, same team. They were a play away from being in the GD Super Bowl. I'm yep. about to start senior year of high school. I really thought, oh, this will be just fine. You know, will they go 12-4 and four again? Maybe not, but they'll be just fine. Um, Brett Favre's coming back off the best year of his career, Magic Carpet Ride. I'm still young and impressionable. And I believe you and Brian Murphy, Chip Scoggins, um, all of you kind of got together for a beer and said, this has the chance to be something special again, or it has chances to be one of the biggest train wrecks of all time. And boy, I think train wreck was putting it lightly uh, for the 2010 Vikings, who had a roof collapse, a quarterback um, who, uh, who, who was basically concussed on the field, a snowmageddon game in oh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Check off anything you want on a bingo card. It happened to the 2010 Vikings, but it was still a very exciting time, and I thought the Vikings were going to be right back in the NFC Championship game. It was me and Murphy in, in a bar in San Francisco the eve before the Vikings played a preseason game against the Niners at the old Candlestick Park, drinking an anchor steam, and we both said this could be one of the great, like, the great comeback and blah, 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 or this could be a disaster. And it was the latter. Um, so this one makes perfect sense. This is, I don't think anybody, I don't think truthfully anybody thought that that team was going to be bad, much less just a complete dumpster fire. Um, yes, things went wrong, but you know, there were signs from the beginning that it was off the tracks. Um, the, the fact that, you know, Sidney Wrights had come out of the, uh, Saints at NFC Championship game injured and been told had surgery and he said oh I will if you give me a contract and the Vikings are like oh no That's and he said okay I'm not and then he shows up on the pup list and then the fact that it was very clear that Brett Favre was never exactly told how bad Rice was hurt but Brett came back so and and Brett had to be literally it turned out dragged back like that was real that was not a 
The 2009 thing I've always contended was a dog and pony show. I don't want to go to training camp. Okay, here's how you won't go to training camp. That was very orchestrated in a way. This one was real. And so, yeah, but to have it flame out like it did and to have it be a complete unmitigated disaster was shocking. And that was, I think you would find any Vikings fan who was around at that time would 100% say, their expectation was we are going to make a return a run again, and this time, damn it, we're going to get to the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, it didn't work out. All right, two more to go on this list. But uh, before I get there, I want to shout out my friends at Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. We're working on some fun things behind the scenes, some fantasy football drafts with you, our Score North listeners, uh, coming up this season. Been talking to my friends at Underdog how to make that happen, so that'll be exciting. If you want to get in on some fantasy football with us, you can join Underdog Fantasy. Uh, download it on the Apple on the App Store or on the Google Play Store. If you register and deposit money, they will match your first deposit up to a hundred bucks. They have some great pick'em options. They have great fantasy football options. Uh, plenty of great plethora of, of sports to to get in on and get a sweat on at UnderdogFantasy.com. The best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. Uh, go join Underdog Fantasy. Promo code SCORE S K O R. They'll match your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. Underdog Fantasy. Shout out to them for helping power. Mackie and Judd and Score North programming. All right, Judd, I'm going to jump forward a little bit here. After going from 2018, 2011, 2010 Vikings, uh, I'm going to jump forward to the 2016 Vikings. So I understand that about a week before the season, Teddy Bridgewater's knee exploded and then it caused uncertainty and they traded for Sam Bradford. But let's, let's pause up to the exact moment that Teddy's knee exploded in training camp. That team was 11-5. and five. That team should have won their wild-card game, if not for one oh, of the yeah. most epic shanks of all time. Again, returning the core of their roster, a franchise quarterback who was a solid game manager and a coach that embraced him, a, yep. a quarterback that a lot of fans, I think, wanted to embrace and really was easy to root for, too, by the way. I thought the 2016 Vikings was going to be it, man. And look, there's a lot of over-exaggerations, I think, that sometimes happen at training camp. Teddy looked so damn good in that training camp. You kind of thought that there was even now a next level to his game, not just being a dink and dunk game manager, starting to air it out a little bit more, starting to open things up a little bit more. Um, And I thought that 2016 Vikings team was going to be dang special. That was also my first year out of college, so I started to cover some things for that Vikings team. And I was looking around thinking, this is going to be something very special. And even without Teddy, that team started 5-0 and before having to start everyone in the world on their offensive line, and they absolutely collapsed and missed the playoffs. But the 2016 Vikings does deserve a spot on this list. Yes. In, in fact, my pre-leg-snapping thought on that is, I always go back to the first, the first Vikings game, not official, ever played at U.S. Bank Stadium was a Sunday afternoon dress rehearsal till preseason game against the then San Diego Chargers. And Teddy looked spectacular. I remember he threw a touchdown to Rudolph, I want to say. He looked great. And that was right before he uh, fell down, unfortunately, and, and his leg went. But that game, I think everyone came away. It was a traditional Sunday afternoon game. Everyone came away saying, wow, this guy looks like he has taken a step. And so, yes, but before, once he got hurt, I thought, oh, boy, it's Vikings. Here we go. But before he got hurt, I'm with you. There was was excitement there. And little did we know, and this became, in retrospect, incredibly important, that was the only quarterback Mike ever really liked. 
And so that was his guy. And and he was building and had built to a certain point a defense, Declan, at that time that was fantastic. So, and in 2016, I feel like you could get away more so with saying, I'm building a defense and my offense is going to be sufficient. Like now it feels like now you got to have a, a, at the very least, a good, uh, consistently productive offense. But at that point, you know, the sort of I'm a defensive guy still worked. So, yeah, that that whole thing, one of the great what ifs is going to always be what if Teddy's leg hadn't gone at that practice? What would that 2016 team have done with him? And more importantly, a team that had remained on the same page. Because if you recall, the downfall, the first downfall of 16 was 5-0. and I think it was a bye week. I believe that they beat uh, Houston here, had a bye week, came back and played the Eagles in Philly, and that's the game where Zim got up to the podium, and this is a huge deal, and called the offensive line, if I'm not mistaken. The word was soft, soft. which is the worst word that you could possibly use, and everything from there began to disintegrate. Yeah, pretty rough. So you're Pretty rough. Go you're exactly right. All right, man, the number one season on this list, the most excited I've ever been for a Viking season. I think this might shock you. The 2022 Vikings. This is the most excited I have been for an offseason and going into a I'm season, I think, to... in my entire lifetime. Okay, you tell me why, and Sports Dad will slow you down. Okay. See, I don't want you to make the mistake of 2011. Well, I'll, I'll say that in 2022 now, the Vikings have a young, exciting offensive embrace of coach who's going to embrace offense they have a team that is still pretty good and competitive they have a chance in the nfc to i think still get near the top it's not strangle held by anyone in the nfc it's kind of wide open at this point uh, i think ed donatel retooling this defense and getting zadaria smith here is big and i think the rookie class uh we talked about this on purple daily yesterday with phil and you while you were out judd even though there aren't maybe immediate starters in this rookie class you can go up and down outside of Ed Ingram, by the way. I should put some respect in the name. Ed Ingram's probably going to be a week one starter. You can look up and down those first four or five picks from this draft class and say these guys actually might contribute to the roster right away. These won't just be practice squad guys. These won't just be inactive guys. These are guys that could contribute to the 2022 Vikings. I look at the schedule. I look at the state of the NFC North. I look for a coach who's very exciting and young and is finally going to turn this offense around into being the top five offense it should be. This is the most excited I have been for a Viking season in my lifetime. All right. I am ecstatic today that I limped back here. Appendix gone. Still some pain. Thank God for extra strength Tylenol. That helps. Uh, I'm ecstatic sports dad came back to, to slow your roll, son, a little bit. Because, look, I am eager as well. I am eager as well to see what how this looks. And I am excited to see an offense that I think is going to function with uh, a component who is one of, if not the best, he's he's one of, in Justin Jefferson, best receivers in the game. But that being said, there are too many unknowns and variables here for me to be anything but also curious. Kevin O'Connell, we have no idea if he can coach. We have no clue how this is going, going to work. Now, do I think he's got a chance? Absolutely he does. Absolutely. Crazy. We have no clue. This yeah. guy is coming in very much as as he he is coming in from a job that was at very best equivalent to Derek Falvey. 
he is also going to base a lot of his beliefs on the same things. Beware beware of the, the unknown is not, and I'm not saying Rick should have stayed. He deserved to be fired. But I'm just saying there are, I would caution you to be very curious and eager to see how this team looks. But as far as like expectations, like I'm excited because expectations, I would be incredibly cautious. And this also comes down to some very important things. Kirk Cousins. You are literally trying to change a man in his mid-30s, his thinking. that That's a stretch. Um, if they can do it, awesome. But, I mean, O'Connell's worked with Kirk before, and O'Connell thinks he's going to be the first person ever to really change Kirk into being the quarterback he wants. Uh, the defense, I like what they're doing, but you, you've got... Um, you got a guy in Hunter who has played in, what, six games in the last two years or five-plus games. In Zadarius Smith, who had a bad back, which scares me. So I would remove that from my list. I would put it in a little box of, hey, I wonder. And if it looks good, like, it might be disappointing, but if it looks good, next year, I'd be really excited about it. But... I just think that there's a lot of things here. There's a lot of people who are very new at what they're doing, who we are putting faith in. And I can point you, I'm pointing towards target field right now. That's the cautionary tale. Uh, Sometimes you get a nice little spark too. But I think we all would say right now, we are very disappointed in the twins from how they're being run. And, And that's where this is going to just flat out take, some time but i would not i would not say that you shouldn't be excited to see it because it could be great uh i just wouldn't say it's a season where i'm like i think it's going to be i think that there's a chance here the conference is still going to be strong enough that the vikings i don't think there's any guarantees here they could sneak into the playoffs but just slow your roll sports son just slow it a little bit uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you, know, you put I, it number one. If you'd put it number five, I'd be I'd be okay with that. All those teams that I've listed did not make the playoffs. So the 2022 Vikings can still not make the playoffs, and that list is still valid. You know, all, all four of the first four on that list, none of those teams made the playoffs for the Vikings. Um, you know, Sean McVay took over a Rams team with a failed first-round pick, turning it into the number one offense's first season. So I, I think that the way that this but, is tracking, this is going to be an exciting time. I think this is well, a very exciting time to be a Vikings fan. But you're assu- but you're assuming O'Connell is going to beat McVeigh, which which is which if he yeah, doesn't it's, have it's the right expectations. Yeah, and and look like like there are there are are degrees to how KOC can do here uh, that aren't busts. But pr- prime example now, Kirk Cousins is better than what this guy got. Okay, but Exhibit A, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, same exact type of of, uh, of background, I think, as KOC, worked for uh, McVeigh, I believe, with the Rams. And you know what? Got there, and they weren't good. Nope. And guess what they had to find? A quarterback. And that's my biggest question here, too. That's my biggest thing. That's what I want to see. I really think if we are to, if we are to see a Lombardi trophy going down I-94 closed one day because we got a bunch of guys in convertibles. Um, I really think the biggest thing and my biggest question about this entire staff is, can you find the quarterback? Yep. Because I'm just convinced Kirk is not. 
That, that, that doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs, and that doesn't mean that they can't be a fun team. Um, but I really think if, if Kevin O'Connell is going to achieve maximum success, my question is, can he find the quarterback who is going to do who's going to do what he wants because that's how he thinks? Um, it concerns me that I that O'Connell is trying to rewire Kirk. Like that's a very tough thing. Um, I think if Kevin can ever get if Kevin is as good as we think he could be, which we still don't know, but if if he gets to be that guy and you can get him the quarterback who says, "This is what I'm thinking, Kevin," and Kevin's like damn, that's what I'm thinking as well. I think that's where you get a marriage that gets you potentially a Super Bowl championship before we we die or before I get some type of weird appendicitis attack. And it clearly won't be that because that's gone now back. So, All right. Well, that's my pecking order of the Vikings season, 2018, 2011, 2010, 2016, 2022 Vikings. Judd disagrees, but, uh, you know. No, I don't disagree. I'm cautioning you. I think 2022 is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. 2018, I I get you. Yeah. 2022 i'm just saying have fun with it i am gonna have fun with it just I'm have fun with it. it don't don't expect it don't expect a ton here we have no dad. idea don't listen to sports dad he, he's he's off, idea. Up he's off on paid meds he doesn't know what he's talking about all right <laughs> hit the subscribe button for daily minnesota sports entertainment shout out to federated insurance too for powering this episode of mac and judd find out the industries that federated protects at federatedinsurance.com head on over to purple daily too we'll have plenty more to talk about nick mullins coming over here uh, training camp still wrapping. Another preseason game to still talk about. So there's plenty of things on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota sports entertainment.